0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Christoph Katzbeck. Hey, Jay. How's it going? It's going great. So, um, yeah, last week, it's good to have you back. You were unable to join me last week. You and Jeff both bailed on me, so I had to find some scraggler.
1: Yeah, I didn't even bail on you. I flat out rejected you. You you peeked your head in my office, and I was like, no, get out of no, here.
0: Before I even said anything. I didn't mm-hmm. even say anything yet. I saw it in your eyes. You're like, no, yeah, no. So I had to like get some scrub. Yes.
1: yeah, You had to uh, reach real deep. I and, did. Uh, I
0: reached way deep. Um, and...
1: No, it was really cool hearing hearing Robbie last week. Uh, you and him getting to kind of parse out. It was also funny. We always try to have whoever preached the sermon on the podcast. Right. And have, not only have Robbie come on, but Jeff was not able to be here who preached that sermon. Right. Um, but I, I thought that was great. I thought you guys, uh, it was really interesting hearing you guys talk about um, how, what it stirred in your heart, and I, I, I liked it. So yeah, it was good. Especially
0: yeah. since neither one of us even listened to it. It was pretty good. Oh kidding. my goodness! I kidding. was. Kid- <laughs> like- I gotta say, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, and I also have to apologize. I have been being chastised over the last couple of weeks because I often say that there's like four people listening, and, and there's at least five. Right. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is, people keep saying. Here's here's the irony of it. I've had people be upset with me saying you need to stop saying that there's way more than that who are listening to the podcast. Do you know how many people told me that? Please tell me it was four. Four. It was four. <laughs> four people are upset that I say four people listen to the podcast. So I just want to point that out that like, I don't know. I mean, I know. just listened to a podcast <laughs> where they
1: said, and I, because you said the four people thing, it made me realize I feel like it's one of two extremes of podcasts. Either they're saying like, to the four people who are listening to us, or I heard a podcast where they're like, to the hundreds of thousands of people who are listening to oh, this podcast. Exaggerate and all. <laughs> the other way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, I've man. done that before. I millions mean, of people. But but millions feels like, I think they actually think that there's 100,000 plus people who are... You think so?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's like Conan O'Brien, he's like... It was not, it was not Conan O'Brien. Oh, it was just somebody else. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It is available to millions of people. You could say that, yeah. Billions absolutely. of people. It, absolutely, yeah. Like, our... This platform reaches, has a reach of billions of people.
1: When I used to work in, when I worked for WPFF, a lot of people would know WPFF, one of the things we would say, hmm. because we we were over in Door County, but we had different transmitters that, that yeah. also broadcasted, we would say we reach a million people. Because we did, like population wise, we reached oh. most of Northeast Wisconsin and the UP. So okay. we would say that our, okay. so So I mean, so we, we're not wrong. Yeah, our
0: range is anywhere the internet exists. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say we're reaching a billion reaching
1: people. Reaching the Faith Church podcast, reaching, reaching billions billions
0: of people. Billions of people. What a ministry. That wow. A, that's amazing. I wow. never I never thought we'd get there. Here we are. I like we did yeah, it. We, just, we, we did, did. It. it was because we brought Robbie on we should we really thank Robbie. We brought Robbie on there yeah. and now we're reaching billions of people. Incredible. All right. Well, I know the sermon did not reach billions of people, although it could have <laughs> uh It was it full could've. though.
1: Yeah. It was I was a big Sunday. Yeah, I know yeah. for
0: sure. But um so I got to deal with the easy one and Jeff um Jeff oh said to me afterwards, he was like, "I'm not preaching in two weeks, right?" And because I had made the joke that in two weeks he would be preaching about rainbows like, and puppies. Rainbows and puppies, yeah. Um, because because this is this is such a challenging passage, mm-hmm. and when and you know it's good news, bad news. In that there are times where I don't know how you feel, but there are times where I'm preaching a passage that is notoriously challenging. Um, there's sometimes that that takes pressure off.
1: Why why would you say that? Well,
0: just because you're 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 like, Okay, well, there's some grace there. Like there are some okay. times where yeah. there are passages that are are really clear um and really critical and you're just thinking, don't mess it up. Like don't yeah you've got to make sure you communicate this properly because this is this is a very clear passage. Don't cause any confusion, don't mess it up. This is one where if somebody walked out of there thinking, Man, I have I have a lot of questions. I'd be like, yeah, so do I. Me too. I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. I have a lot of questions too. Um, but we talked about in Matthew 5 how Jesus says that he did not come to abolish the law, but that he came to fulfill it. And um, and we we talked about what uh, in what way does he uh, fulfill that, which that's that's part of the debate about it about it. But um I tried to focus on like the things that we do no for sure like right. i tried to focus on okay well who is he speaking to and so why would they think he was abolishing why why would they get that idea like why does he even have to say that and and that was because he he was doing things that were it was reorienting everything he's reorienting them yeah. for the kingdom right i mean
1: ironically we don't even have to really reach you know we don't have to contextualize i mean we do right like contextually they there's this kind of this idea that jesus just came to completely get rid of everything that um, Israel was brought up with but I mean you see people that use kind of this passage in the same way where they're like well it's it's all grace like you don't have to follow anything God says and um, and that's kind of a misunderstanding of, of the passage or even kind of the message of, of God of God's grace the grace that that is extended to us and so I don't I don't think you necessarily have to contextualize it because we see it oftentimes in our current culture there's kind of this misunderstanding of uh, the work Christ did Jesus did what it accomplished and uh, what that means for us and I think you know you were saying the challenging part I think when you come across a passage like this as you're as you're digging into it and asking those questions when someone comes up to you the the beauty of that is that is just it feels like an unending well of like get, getting to see like oh this is what he means and mm-hmm. um the, you start making those connections and I think that this is this is one of those passages so um yeah I, yeah, I, I love I, that
0: I think that. I mean, I know that for me, I have always looked at this passage and just I focused more on verse 17. I mean, honestly, in, in my past, I didn't share this on Sunday, but if if you had given me this passage 15 years ago to preach, I would have focused on uh, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Right, And I would have just camped there and talked about how Jesus is the fulfillment of all things, um, and I, I would have probably conveniently left out, um, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Or obviously the preceding verse of, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I, because they so go to obedience and works. Right. Um, there is a camp that looks at this passage and interprets it as, well, what Jesus is doing is he's setting them up for repentance. He's setting them up to realize they cannot, they can't exceed the righteousness of the scribes of the Pharisees, that they can't obey all these things that um, obviously he's setting an impossible standard that you that if you if you lit up on even the least of these commandments, then you're the, the least in the kingdom. So, um, there's a camp that says that. And so what Jesus is doing is just basically setting this incredibly high bar that everyone's going to say, well, then how can somebody be saved? And he's going to say, well, that's, you know, that's why you need me. And now it is true that we all fall short of the glory of God. It, that That is a true statement, but he's not that's not i i that's not what he's getting at here. And the reason why I say that is in other passages he does talk about that. Like when they say um, when he says it's it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom um, than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And the disciples say, well, then who who can be saved? And um, Jesus says, well, with man it's impossible, but you know, with God all things are possible. Or this it, it is possible. He's saying there he's turning it and getting them to a place of like well then who can be saved and he's saying yeah that you have to get to that place but here he turns it on that not only does he not he does not say that here he is saying he's saying you unless your righteousness exceeds the the scribes and the Pharisees and then and then he's going to go on and and clarify and and go this deeper level understanding of of the law in fact he's going to enhance it and so I think that's what makes it so challenging because you want to we tend to want to fall in one of the ditches. We want to say, "Okay, well he's talking about his works, and so all we have to do is receive his works and I would say, "Yes, that is true, but that I don't think that's all." And then there's the other side which then makes it makes it about works and says, "See, well we're supposed to just obey all of his commands and so Jesus is giving a new law, which is partially true. There's the law of Christ, but that's not, that's also not fully what it is.
1: Yeah, I loved So you used an illustration that was really interesting to me to kind of illustrate this. And um, I thought you did a good job with it. I wish you would have maybe like clarified a little bit with it. So I picked
0: up on it. I, I'm, I'm, I think... But the you this said those the, backhanded compliments. No, no, word. I know, I know. You like, had a great illustration. It was, it was a great I mean, illustration. I wish you would have done it better. I yeah. I picked up on it, but no one else got it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, good. yeah. You, so you, Go okay, ahead. tell me. I don't even um, know what illustration you're talking
1: about. Well, you were talking about making millions of dollars. You know, we reached billions oh. of people. But you were talking about reaching. if you, oh. you, you gave this illustration of if you could, if you, if somebody asked you to do a job. Now I'm probably going to butcher the illustration. Yeah, but, you are. Um, if, if somebody asked you to do a job, and they said if, once you finish this job, you, you'll get like ten million dollars, you said like at the end nine. of a day, yeah. If, you, if
0: we had you work for us for a day, just doing odd whatever, jobs around yeah. the church, and at the end you'd you said, get a million get dollars, ten, ten million dollars, ten million dollars. I said ten. You said ten. Yeah, Ooh, got up okay. a million dollars. Wow. Inflation, yeah. man. <laughs> like was eggs. A million right? dollars, yeah. everybody'd be like, eh, I don't know, yeah. ten million.
1: Um, okay. so you said so. So there's that. But then you said, but what if I told you that you know you could have um someone it could have been somebody who had you know passed away or a loved one someone that you haven't seen for a long time join you in the process of that work and you would still get the 10 million dollars mm-hmm. like and and to me like and i okay sunday morning full disclosure like we had disciple now weekend so like and i absolutely- I had like a sea of children behind like not children teenagers behind me so like i'm kind of like turning behind me every once in a while but um the so I don't know if you unpacked this but like that 10 million felt to me like okay this is what it looks like to run the race to to be before God to to um you know heaven right um but the thing is like it's not the, this is the, kind of the cliche it's not the destination it's the journey like w- like we have this promised inheritance uh, of eternal life with God which is incredible but we also have this promised inheritance of the spirit walking with us and I like I feel like this is so important as you're as you're talking through that that the the works that we do the 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 righteousness the things that we are called to do these are done in tandem with the spirit with God and and that is an incredible beautiful thing that we should not miss out on uh, just because of the the ten million dollars at the end of the, the tunnel is that is that kind of like what you were trying to go with well, with that illustration I mean I think that is a way to go with it could you illuminate <laughs> me could you <laughs> I mean, you're like oh man I totally well, missed that to one up. On. okay
0: <laughs> here's the point of that and I and I listen listen. My illustrations are many and they're, I, I feel like it's like shooting three pointers. I hope for like about, if I can get 40% of my illustrations to land, then I feel pretty, I feel really good about that. Um, you're the Steph Curry of illustrations. I'm the so Steph Curry of illustrations. Yeah, illustra- okay, yeah. Right, got I'm Steph it. Curry lots of Lots <laughs> of illustrations. Some of them hit and we just look for a solid percentage. But here is the, the point the point is that we tend to look at commands. As negatives.
1: So yeah, we tend
0: yeah. to think of like, well, if someone commands me to do something. Nobody tells me what to do. Right. Yeah. If someone commands me to do something, then I immediately don't want to do it. Like we're in a culture where if 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 your boss tells you to do something, you don't want to do it. We see it in parenting. Like I if if my child um I have we have had this happen where I have a you know, one of my kids, they want to play a particular game until I tell them we're playing that game right <laughs> like it was their idea yep. but it was the second yep. we are told you must do this we like it just wells up inside of us that's the the spirit of rebellion in us there's a part of us that is like well I don't want to do it now because you told me I had to and and so we we put so many commands we, we assume that the commands of God and the commands the commands of Christ or the law, we assume we see it as a burden that it's it's this thing that um, that we don't want to do, but you have to do. It's hard to do. But what Jesus is doing is he's flipping all that upside down. And the reason I use that illustration is I was saying like, look, if I told you, "Hey, I need you to clean the toilet in the in the bathroom," well, that's that's not um, no one no one's gonna say like, "Hey." please, can I, the only reason you do that is like, well, if I said, I'm going to pay you $10 million to do it. So if the reward is great and like at the end of the day, you're saying, I'm going to pay you $10 million. Like how, how quickly would you go? If I said the first person to run into the bathroom and clean the toilet gets $10 million, like there would be a huge, like there'd be a rush. Chaos. Yeah. There'd be a rush to do it because the reward is so great. And Jesus is saying that he's going to set this up in the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to talk a lot about rewards. So he doesn't just say, well, you should want to obey this commandment because it's the right thing to do. For whatever reason, he says, your reward will be great. So that's, that's part of it. But then the other part of it was with the, with a person that you like just so wanted to be with, and you're just desperate to want to be with it, you then also get to do that job with them. So now you get to be with them that whole time. You and I said like you get to see them, you get to talk with them, work alongside of them, you get to hug them, you get to you know, and and then at the end of that you also get ten million dollars. And I like, you know, and I asked the question of that could that possibly be like the best day of your of your life? And I think most of us would say that would be <laughs> that that could absolutely po- yeah. probably be the best day of my life. And that is what Jesus is offering. Like um, in his commands. His commands are not, um, they're not meant to be burdens. They're meant, they're gifts. And and they're not a bar that we're supposed to achieve. they are They're a promise that's being fulfilled in us. And so that is such a flipping upside down. Like I even, I have preached that so often. I've thought about that so often. And I still, on a daily basis, have to fight to believe that,
1: right, which is which is kind of like that is the struggle of the believer, right? Is like is it, that that sin that still s- still dwells within us that pulls us to worldly things and says, "Well, no, you know," it 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 pulls us away from from those things and it gives us that feeling. And so I I totally feel that that tension, and I think it's great that Jesus slips on and said "All right, I have a question for you though." Sure. Okay, so you you've been talking kind of about the last couple of verses of this of this passage, right? You've been yeah, talking, yeah. Uh, but you said what really kind of struck you was verse seventeen, right? Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets, but I've come to, uh, I have not, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, um, which is really interesting to me, from just from like un- unpacking scripture as Jesus is saying, because the law was a really big thing, um, right to those he was preaching. This, this was, this was the stand, this was their Bible, right? This was, uh, and for him to come and say it all points to me is a, is a big deal. I mean, it, yeah. and you even think in the life of Jesus' ministry, this is, this is how he kicks his ministry off. So about <laughs> it for a second, this isn't at the end of his ministry after he's done all these incredible miracles, he is actually coming in and he is saying, all of that is testifying to me. Um, I, I guess my question to you is like why you you had said before we started talking about the, the the works that that really struck you this time around in preparing for this message. How did it strike you?
0: The the works or the f- when he f- said when he said in verse seventeen that he came to fulfill the law. I should probably listen to you better. Um, <laughs> Sorry. This, this so is. what I'm saying is that that has always been that's the verse that I would camp in. Oh, and that so, would
1: normally be so. Maybe normally, I need to listen to you better. Yeah. Was that was that yeah. your way of like? That was my passive aggressive way really of telling man. you like, okay. well,
0: I'm not the one. Who's not. No, yeah, I'm saying that I would normally do that because I'm I'm because I think um, it's such a beautiful verse of realizing what Jesus is saying is that he, all, everything that has come before, all the law and the prophets, as they're looking at him and saying, "Well, you're teaching something different." And so like are you doing away with everything? Is everything that God has done before, is that like being erased? And he's saying, Not only have I not not only am I not here to erase all of that, I'm I'm actually fulfilling it. Right. Like I am i he he is making that statement and he's also establishing his authority in everything he's gonna say because remember he's about to go into a discourse of clarifying and enhancing everything that's in the law. He's gonna talk he's gonna use not everything, but he's gonna use different right. examples. That is all going to lead to later when he's going to give the great commandment, and so he's he is pushing for he is reorienting them around the way the kingdom works and his authority as the king, and his authority as the word of God, the actual word of God, um, and 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 so he is he is telling them like I'm not giving you something different, I'm, I'm making things new. But it's not; it's not getting rid of everything that came before. This is actually everything that it was that it was pointing to, which is really critical both for them, because remember they don't know who he is yet; they don't understand. Right, it. right, yeah. And so he's he's telling them like, no, 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 this is in line with the law and the prophets. And then eventually he's going to say, all the law and the prophets hang on these two things: to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself and then he's going to go on and say give the great commission he says all authority has been given to me you know where he's 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 now sending them and so um, so that's like there you go there's the there's a 45 second overview of Matthew so like, well let me let the, me
1: let me ask this then how then does that so if he's using that as a springboard yeah into this flipping kind of the, the law and flipping this this idea of the inherit, inheriting god's kingdom right if that is a springboard into that for, um, all of those in the first century who are listening to him, right. The, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and and everyone who's listening to him, how is that a springboard for us? Like, how then can we take that and say, um, that is a springboard for us to pursue, you know, what your illustration said was the best day ever. Like, how do we, how do we use that as a springboard into that?
0: Well, I think, I mean, the question is still, it always comes back to, do you believe him? So in some ways, this passage is really challenging, and and it is like, okay, in what way is is it our righteousness just in Christ? Are we expected to you know obey these commands? Is that like there are there are difficulties there, but there are ways in which this is it's not complicated, and one of the ways that it's not complicated is. Jesus is going to consistently say, this is what the kingdom is. It is a treasure. Do you believe it? So when I use the illustration of the $10 million at the end of the day, the only reason you wouldn't go clean the toilet is if you didn't believe me. That's fair, yeah. You would just say, if you said, eh, Jay says things like that all the time. He doesn't have $10 million uh, for me. Or you're going to get to the end of it, or like he's going to, he's going to twist it somehow. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to clean the toilet. And then he's going to give me a hug and say, that was a $10 million hug, you know, or, or something like that. Sure. Yeah. If yeah. you thought that you would then say, mm, I don't know that I really want to, I don't really want to go clean this toilet. Um, and, and likewise with the, if, if the person that you get to do the work with is not someone you really value and you don't really, like it's not a big deal to you well then yeah you're not you're not going to go fulfill that but if like I dare say if 10 million dollars was waiting for you and you saw like and you were doing that with a person that you desperately wanted to be with then cleaning the toilet would be like the most fun ever and that's the abundant life like i that i, I think that that's the springboard is that he's reorienting it and saying this is not a burden to crush you this is a gift for yeah, you to receive yeah. and pursue, and that is the flipping in our minds that we just struggle with. So when I have a choice to have the um, snide comeback to the person that I feel like hurt me or wronged me, when I have that option, then I'm literally like Jesus says, you know, to not like well, lots of things of so like not repaying evil with um, evil. Yeah. Um do not resist the one who is evil. We're going to talk about some of these hard sayings, but the hard sayings, he's going to come up and say we're going to either look at that and say, well, no. I like that's not worth it. You that's basically what we say. Like if you say love your enemy, for example, just take the easy one. Um which yeah, super by the easy. way, yeah. well, which by the way, cuz you get to preach that <laughs> one, but I get to do retaliation, which I think retaliate the retaliation passage to me is is much more difficult than love your enemy yeah because love your enemy gets a little vague and you can say like okay well there's ways we can kind of get around that but the retaliation section is like very specific of do not do not resist the one who's evil like what in the world like what does that mean and so um but Whatever Jesus commands of us, if we see it, if we don't see the kingdom as a treasure, if we don't believe him that we have rewards and that those rewards are like beyond our wildest imaginations, and if we don't see abiding in Christ and sharing with him and being with him in his work and what he's doing in us and through us as like the greatest thing that we could imagine, like just being close to Christ, if we don't believe those things— Well, then the commands that he gives us are going to just be things we have to do. They're going to be burdens. Right. And if, but if we do see it that way, then like if, if I saw that rightly every day, I would see every command he gives me as just like a no brainer, joyful thing. The fact that I don't is because my eyes are broken. My heart is still flawed. My mind is not fully renewed. Like I see it and I don't see it. I believe and I don't believe. And if anything, I wish that if I could magically just impart something to everybody in our church and in the Christian church is is that, that we constantly leave, live in a state of belief and unbelief. And that rather when when we're commanded something by Christ or when we know something we're called to do, rather than trying to minimize, which is what Jesus is saying, you're not going to, don't fulfill you're going to fulfill this I'm the fulfillment you're not going to fulfill this by minimizing anything and that's what they're ending up doing right so it's like you're supposed to love your neighbor but they basically limited it down to just don't kill your neighbor and that would be letting up on even the least of the commandments you know he's saying um and so Jesus is going to enhance that and so they would look at that and say well yeah, we, we figured out a way that we can kind of obey this. And he's saying, no, like you, you can't let up on any of them unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So he's saying like what the kingdom is is not less holy than what you're doing right now. You, what you're doing is a broken version of this, and he's offering us the true kingdom, and he's telling us how we get to lay hold of it, and, like I said, flipping it upside down and saying it's it's not a burden, it, it's a gift. And we are constantly, the thing that I wanted to impart was we are constantly in the belief and unbelief. So rather than justifying ourselves or watering it down or trying to interpret it in a way that we, I, I didn't use this illustration, I meant to, and I actually, it's funny, I, I skipped the illustration, and then later I had a callback to the illustration <laughs> that I didn't use. Okay, And the illustration was what we often do with the law of Christ or with the law and the prophets and what the Pharisees were doing was the equivalent of if you get to write your own test. And mm, so if if yeah. if the if the teacher gives you a test and then you look at the test and then you change you edit the questions so that your answer fits the question. Sure. And that's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. So if it says love God or worship God, well then they whatever their view of how you did that, they change the question on the test so that their answer fit it.
1: Yeah, like, it look, mean, I, got the t- I got the test right. Like, I, right, I did, I got I did to, it. Right. Nailed so
0: it. So when they would say, like, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, they'd say, like, yeah, that means do this, this, and this. And those happen to be the things that I said that we needed to do. And then
1: Jesus goes, you've heard it said, right. but I tell you. Right. Yeah. So
0: Jesus comes along and is like, you've heard this. That They rewrote the questions. Yeah. yeah. I didn't – and." And then if somebody accused him of saying, well, you're doing away with all the questions. No, I'm not. Well, I'm not, I'm not abolishing a single one of those. Actually, I'm fulfilling all of them. Yeah. And if you let up on any of these, you're going to be the least in the kingdom, which is another way of saying you're not in the kingdom, by the way, because later he'll clarify that. Yeah. That it's not like, oh, you'll be in the junior varsity kingdom. It's like, no, you're not in the, the least in the kingdom is not in the kingdom. So. Um, that's a whole whole other thing. But does that make sense? Like that sense of like, rather than doing that, then just acknowledge your unbelief. So when you want to say something horrible to the person that said something horrible to you, rather than justifying that or saying, well, they said this or anything like that, just say, I am not believing that the command of Jesus to love this person, I'm not believing that that's better. I'm not believing in the reward that he is offering me. And I'm not believing that I get to abide in him. And then that's better. I just, I'm not believing it in that moment. I'm giving into like, I want the worldly treasure. I want that right now.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is that, that verse 17, that that introduction into that is Jesus declaring who he is. And then I'm, um, you know, it is our, our belief. Is he who he says he is? You know, he is the fulfillment of the law. He is, um, the, the righteous one. And, um, you, you go back to and you kept saying belief and unbelief and I just think of of the the prayer of that that Father in Mark where was, you know yep. Lord I believe help my unbelief uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems to go back there all right we had we had so we had a question oh yeah we did have a question and so I, I want to make like, sure I went on this total I know, I, rant on this but I'm just like, so so, a, so amped hey, about this man um, so the question it, it had to do with um, you had said something that was it's a, it was pretty tough but I I appreciate the distinction and, and I I like I think giving a little bit of time to clarify it is is going to be helpful, is the difference between burden and 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 carrying your cross, right? Because we are called to carry our cross. I always like to point out that that was said before Jesus was crucified, which is a really interesting thing um, that Jesus would say that prior to being crucified. But uh, he 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 says that if you if you you, you need to deny yourself, you're going to follow me. You need to deny yourself and take up your cross. But you made a distinction, saying that is not the same as having a burden. And you said that there are going to be in life burdens uh, that that we have. That and it's not that God is not empathetic towards those. Um, but it but it is to say that there is a distinction between it. That is not what Jesus was talking about. In that so
0: can you maybe uh, unpack yes. that a little bit? Yeah. So so. The reason for distinguishing that is not to minimize the weight of the burden, but to amplify the significance of picking up your cross. So we often look at it and say, "Okay, well, then does that mean you're lessening this thing? And I'm not. What I'm saying is the meaning of deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me is is to die to yourself. It's not it's not about suffering through it's not about like you're gonna like you're gonna have to um, like I'm gonna tough out this hard road or anything like that it is about dying and when we interpret it as burdens we are lessening this call of disciples that you you're coming if you're gonna follow Jesus you lay down your life when Jesus says in in Matthew 1344 that you know, the parable of the treasure hidden in a field, which we use all the time because it's so, such a big, for me, it was so formational for me. Um, when he says that, he's, it's not, he's saying you have to, like you're giving up everything for this. And in the parable of the treasure in the field is him saying it's worth it. Right. So he right. never tells us, hey, give up everything because it's the right thing to do. Give up everything because you're a good person. Give up everything because it's the moral thing to do. He says, give up everything because it's totally worth it. You're gonna get way more back. So when the disciples say, We've given up everything, like what do we get? And Jesus is like, You haven't given up anything. You like anything you've given up, you're gonna be repaid ten times, a hundred times in this kingdom and the next. So in this world and the next. So I So that is really critical to say the call to follow Jesus means giving up everything. There is no like bronze level plan. There is no partial or hedging your bets. There is no, you, you see that over and over and over again, parable of the banquet. Anybody that had an excuse, he says, they won't taste the kingdom. He doesn't say, Oh, I'm sure they'll come later. They just don't get to, they won't get the first fruits of the kingdom. He says, they don't, they won't taste a thing in the kingdom. He says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So, um, he many many times especially in matthew lays down this call to say it's everything that is what that is about that is different than burdens sufferings trials persecutions tribulations like all of those things which are also true and um and so i was just trying to distinguish that like don't you don't need to lessen what Jesus is saying in the picking up your cross and following him. That's about dying to yourself to follow him. Um if you that's that's in that category, I believe, but you don't have to co-opt that to describe incredible suffering that people are dealing with.
1: Right. And I I think it's important because you're going to have not not everyone on earth is going to take up their cross. Is going to deny themselves, take up their cross, right? That the, uh, there, there are many of those who who don't who deny Jesus, right? Oh, but right. There are going yes. to be those. Sorry, I, sh- I should have clarified that. That are that are not yeah one in the kingdom. But but there every like at at yeah. some point in varying degrees, everyone experiences burdens, and I right. like I think part of the part of the denying yourself and taking up your cross is that there is the the beauty in that in that God takes those burdens and He uses those to help us cling more to our cross, to cling more to Christ, to, um, you know, uh, so I, like, I, I really appreciated that distinction because all of a sudden we're not leaning on our, our burdens in lack thereof for hope, right? Because there is going to be tribulation and burdens in, in, in all of life. Like that is part of the brokenness of this world. What it's to say is, in the denying yourself and taking up your cross, is that we have a good and gracious God that we can cling to in the midst of those trials. And I, like I, I, think there is a a beauty to that. I think there's an importance to that. And um, you you know me well enough to know I like my categories. I like things neatly lined up. And when I when I heard that, it was kind of a light bulb because I I have been guilty in the past of um saying, well, that's like, that's my cross to bear. Like that's my cross to bear. Right. It's like, well, well, no, it's not. I, and and i i appreciate that because it it gives me hope in the midst of those burdens and those trials
0: right i think i think what's important i want to make sure people hear if somebody said that like i'm not going like heretic i just right. i it's one of those <laughs> things where i'm like hey let's just let's use let's use that verse properly yeah. like let's just so that we don't downplay so that we because um otherwise you can you theologically you could go into a place where you're like okay well i the way you enter the kingdom like we know that it's through many tribulations and and sufferings that you, that you will enter the kingdom like we we get that um and and our our experiences play that out like bear that out but um but ultimately like picking up your cross, that is that is dying to yourself, which is what allows you actually to endure the sufferings and bear the burdens. Because when I when I am no longer living for this world, when I see the kingdom as the treasure and I'm saying I'm like that man who says it's worth everything, then I then I'm able to endure those trials and those sufferings because I do not count my life as anything here on this earth, because I want the kingdom. I want Christ. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there will be difficulties and suffering and grief and sorrow and all those different things that we deal with here on earth. Um, but if my treasure is in another world, my treasure is in the kingdom, then, uh, then I can't. That's what allows me to endure. If, if, say, for example, the health of my family is the ultimate thing, if that is my ultimate treasure if I lose that, then I'm in despair, Right, I've lost everything. But if I say, well, obviously I want my family to be healthy. I pray for my family to be healthy. I thank God every day that my family is, is healthy. But if that is what I would give up so that I would experience the kingdom and, and have the kingdom, well then that's what allows me to do that. And in suffering in my life, that's been the thing that I, has has allowed me to get through that, which is to know that all of this is being brought to fruition in the kingdom. Like all of this is being resurrected as joy. It is being brought. Like it is. It is. It is always brought me comfort to know this is what Jesus promised us. Like He said, yeah. "You in this world you will have troubles, but fear not. I have overcome the world." So. There's a promise there of like he he said this was gonna happen, which is why Peter translates it then as do not be surprised, at the fiery trials as though something strange were happening to you. That's why James says, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. So it's not these aren't just like, hey, put on a happy face. He's saying, No, this, this is the calling. You're gonna lay down your life, which means it's through this that that you're you're going to experience the kingdom. And so that is that is comforting. Like it's always comforting just to know this wasn't a surprise to God. That he's like, "Oh yeah, no, he said this was going to happen." But then it's also when you believe that okay, if I if I trust Christ through this trial, you know, through this illness, through this death, through this um uncertainty in my in my job, like knowing am I going to be able to buy groceries next week in this uncertainty in relationships, knowing am I going to, uh, you know, be abandoned or whatever. And any of those things to be able to trust Christ through that and in faith believe like pursuing him in the kingdom is, is worth it. And so therefore like Paul, I mean, that's where you get to a place where Paul is like to live as Christ, to die yep, as gain.
1: It's yep. exactly where my brain went. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: I get to share in the sufferings of Christ when he says in Philippians 4, like being able to be content in all things, that's not because he reached some Zen moment of like, oh, you know, I've learned there's there's a silver lining to everything. He's saying, no, in Christ, I can be any of these things. Right. Make me rich, make me poor, make me sick, make me healthy, make me, you know, well thought of, make me hated, like any of those things, as long as like, and this goes back to the rewards, that if I said, if I told you clean the toilet for $10 million and you get to do it with this loved one, if I then said, hey, I, uh, sorry about this, I also need you to go shovel the walk, she'd be like, whatever, man. Like, Right. And then if I said, hey, I, I want you to sit and have a break, just hang out, you're like, great, like anything, whatever comes, you're good because I know the reward is great and I'm with the one that I want to be with more than anything. Um, and now, like cleaning the toilet still sometimes isn't, like in and of itself, that's not the fun part. And so our suffering, like giving thanks in all circumstances, doesn't mean that we enjoy suffering. It's that we're saying the suffering through that it is worth it, because I know Christ. And I, I'll finish. Like for me, I know I'm like this is like sermon two But you, I'm, right, try, I'm you, trying to give you, you the land. Well, I plan. know you give me the land. The plane. Trying. But now you're gonna feel terrible. But um, <laughs> I. I've shared it several times in a sermon, but it's still like you talk about formative things in your life, but when my mom was dying of cancer and I asked her, she said "She said to me, I asked her how she was doing, and she said, I would have never chosen this, but I would never trade it. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I just, I feel so close to Jesus. I have never felt this close to Jesus before, and I would never want to give that up. And so the testimony of my mom was that she hated the cancer. We all hated the cancer. It was destroying her. And we didn't want to lose her. And she didn't want to lose us. But her testimony is that the abiding in Christ, the closeness and the intimacy she felt with Christ was a treasure in a field. And she said, I I wouldn't give it up. Like if you gave me a choice right now, you can have your health back. Or, but then that would mean you'd no longer have this intimacy with Jesus. She would say, no, not worth it. And that's what we're talking about. It doesn't, it did not make the cancer any more enjoyable. Like it didn't make us think, oh, it's no big deal. My mom, you know, like it, it didn't, it didn't like our grief was still deep. And, um, but it, it meant I trusted, we trusted the one who was bringing something beautiful out of it, that whatever he's doing, it's, it's worth it. And it does bear repeating then that, and with our burdens, we are to bear one, bear with one another in our burdens. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to help carry that load. Part of that is providing comfort. Part of it is trying to relieve suffering um, by helping and by encouraging. Um or by bringing a meal or whatever we do to sit with people in their suffering is part of bearing one another's burdens. But part of bearing one another's burdens is pointing one another to Christ and rejoicing together that God is good, which is why we're told that we don't mourn with those as those who have no hope. Like we, We still mourn, still grieve. And so I hope... I think the reason why I'm trying to like say that, so I just don't want anyone who is suffering, because we have a lot of people in our church who are going through really deep mm-hmm. suffering right now. Yeah, and we never want to minimize that. We never want to say like, no, "Hey, yeah, well, will buck no. up because it's all going to work out in the end." It's not that, but it also is that like there is something beautiful coming out of this, and God is patient with us and understands our unbelief. Right, like there's He understands the fact that we just aren't capable of grasping all that He is doing. And so we are constantly in the state of we believe, but help our unbelief. There you go. Okay. I landed. You did. You're supposed to then land it.
1: Okay. I won't pull Robbie on you and uh, pass it back over to you. If you have any questions or if uh, you have any topics that you want us to tackle on the podcast, you can send us an email, connect at faithpeshiko.com. Send us a message on Facebook. Um yeah. And we would love to, to, to tackle those, but, um, until then, uh, go in grace.